Welcome back to another Change Healthcare Security Podcast. I'm John Zuziak, Change Healthcare Consulting's Practice Director for IT Risk Management. Today, we'll be speaking with Phil Alexander, the Chief Information Security Officer for North Mississippi Health Services, about security awareness programs. Phil, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't mind, can you go ahead and give us a quick intro about yourself? Sure, John. Thanks for having me. Um, I am the Chief Information Security Officer here at North Mississippi Health Services. Been at this role for three years now. Uh, been in healthcare for about eight years total. And prior to that, I was in uh, cybersecurity and federal cybersecurity for uh, over 20 years, uh, both in DOD and uh, NSA and other places, DOD contracts and that sort of thing. So uh, a lot of experience in, in uh, cybersecurity just all over around the world. I won't go through the litany of places, but just all over the world. Just to start off, I, I think the one thing that we, you know, we're constantly hearing is how important information security awareness programs are to the, the overall security uh, posture of a company. And on top of that, you also seem to have a very deep passion for information security awareness and, and building a program. Uh, can you go ahead and give us a little bit more you know, information on that and about your passion and where that came from? Yeah, I, I, to me, it's the, the the saying that you people hear all the time. It's not business it's or it's not personal, it's business. I flip that around and I say it's not uh, business, it's personal. And I think a lot of times, uh, uh, people, you know, since we were five years old, most people um, ask the question why. It's not about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, but really why. And so I think that's where we've missed in cybersecurity awareness uh, for many, many years is our people don't know why we should even have it or why, why should I even pay attention to cybersecurity? And so the why is why my passion is. I'm very passionate about teaching people why, not just business, about personal. And so I teach a lot of people, a lot of our staff, uh, why they should care about cybersecurity in their personal life, their, their smartphone, their kids on the internet. Uh, you know, I'm selling a computer in the yard sale. What do I need to do to make sure my, my data is really removed? All of those kind of things. So it's that personal level. And that's what I'm passionate about is getting people to learn cybersecurity personally, not just in business. Because I believe that if we teach them good cyber health, uh, you know, hygiene, they translate that, bring that to work. And do you think that plays any different across industry, you know, having that, that passion and focusing more on the personal aspect of it versus the business side? Is that, is that something that would translate from, you know, the healthcare to manufacturing other industries? I do. I think that that's what I say. You know, a lot of industries, whether you're in the government, we used to think we were special. You know, the enemies after us, you know, we're special. Then I get to healthcare, and I hear that everywhere I go. People say, well, healthcare is different. We're different. Everybody likes to think they're different, right? Banking thinks they're different. Everybody thinks they're unique. Um, and I, I think we're not. I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, quote a movie, it's about people. And we got to know people. And uh, it's not about dollars and cents. It's not about you know product. It's not about what you do. It's really why you do it. And in healthcare, we like to talk about why we're in healthcare from a clinical standpoint. We always talk about the patient experience or patient uh, care. Banking's no different. Oil and gas. Everybody has their why of what they're doing. I think cybersecurity. If everybody understood the why uh, of why they're doing cybersecurity uh, awareness, uh, and again making it personal. All of those people, right. it's about them. It's about your employees' uh, focus. And so giving a quick example there, it takes about five to 600 man hours to clean up identity theft. So whenever I have executives ask me, why are you spending so much time uh, with jugglers and clowns and weird stuff and aliens and all this other weird stuff uh, in, in our organization? 
don't you have better things to do? I say, no, because if that individual has their identity stolen and they're out of work because they're having to clean up their own personal identity, uh, that staff member is now, that, that's a problem for our organization. So it's a twofold thing, but it doesn't really matter if you're in banking, healthcare, DOD, it's all the same. It's just about people. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I think you see that often that it's, to your point, it's, it's the person. And once you can kind of help make that change, it applies everywhere at that point. Right. Um, kind of another, I guess, sort of, of spin on that, you know, when you look at the different the roles of either industry or organization or person in the business unit, I mean, especially in healthcare, I think, you know, we're not unique by any means, but there are just different nuances among different departments and roles that we play within a, in a healthcare organization. Do you, when you start to build your program or kind of have those, um, the, the awareness presentations and, and classes that you're, you're going through, do you build anything different from the, the clinicians versus administrative or more back office functions? We do. So um, we have our general new employee orientation kind of, you know, uh, discussions where we talk the why hackers get into healthcare, why we're number one uh, in, in nation state, uh, you know, attacks and that sort of thing. We have that in a general sense. Uh, for all employees. But then, then we then we dive in and carve out, say, for instance, IT, very specific uh, skill sets, very specific attack, attack targets uh, in IT. You're, you're a very attacked persons, uh, not just in IT, but then moving over to our executives. Uh, I teach them totally different than I would say someone in housekeeping because they're very attacked. Their names are on the website, right? Uh, their titles and maybe even their email addresses. And so they're very attacked persons, uh, unlike somebody who's in and, and laundry. Um, and so, yeah, we, we tailor, tailor it to that. But that doesn't mean that those individuals aren't just as important. Somebody in, in, uh, in the cafeteria, for instance, they're taking plastic, right, to, to, to swipe that, that transaction. So PCI data, uh, all of those kind of things we talk about, again, on a personal level, but they translate it over. So, yeah, we do target each and every department a little differently uh, and, and go after that besides just the general education. And along those lines about, you know, some of those topics and, and how you, you know, look at it versus risk versus compliance or you know, something along those lines, kind of the behaviors that you want to change. How do you develop your topics? What, what drives the conversations that you're having with uh, you know, the employees of the organization? Right. Great question. So um, I let that come for the employees. So we have a website and on our website, uh, it's public facing website and all of the tools and tips and everything that's on that website uh, are for our employees at home. It's not for here, it's for there. It doesn't say HIPAA anywhere on our cybersecurity website. It's all about how do I sell my computer at a yard sale, right? Uh, you, you know, and so, and safely make sure no data is there. How do I secure my cell phone? How do I make sure my child is surfing safe, um, et cetera, et cetera. A tax time, how do I make sure my W-2 is secure? All of those things are personal driven stuff, but I'll give you an example of how that translates over. Uh, we did this whole lunch and learn on encryption. Encrypting your personal information, your hard drive, backing your stuff up, kind of BCDR at the same you know, personal level, but also encryption. And about three months later, I had a nurse down in radiology call me and she said, um, hey, Phil said, listen, this is so and so down here in radiology. Um, I attended your lunch and learn on encryption. And it was wonderful. Went home that night. My husband, and I downloaded your free encryption tool on your website encrypted our thumb drive. We were very happy with it. We feel a little more secure. Appreciate that. But what I've got a question for you today is we've got this old access database on a computer down here in radiology, got a ton of patient records on it. Shouldn't that be encrypted? 
So she translated that from a personal. We didn't talk about that at all in the lunch and learn about what what that means at work. We just talked about her personal financial information at home and how she should protect it. She understood the value then. And so now she's at work and she sees something that needs to be protected and go, shouldn't this be under the same level of protection? And so to me, that's the kind of stuff that we can get our employees passionate about security at home because let's face it, they love their work and they love what they do but they're never going to be as passionate as they are about their family, about their children, their grandchildren. And so if we can teach them those habits there, they will translate. And I got a thousand of those stories uh, of them translating that over into business. It's actually funny that you mentioned that because that's probably one of those items that you never would have found on any, any form of audit. Um, I know a lot of times when I was with the hospital, we would be doing, you know, assessments and, and finding things and everything's pretty buttoned up. You know, there wasn't a lot of changes there, but, you're right. When when somebody comes to you with the, hey, we've got this server underneath our desk. It's been there for years. You know, right. what should we do with it? Never would have come up in conversation. Right. That you know. So you're right. Once people are kind of you know tuned in and know what they're looking for, it's amazing what they can find and, and how they'll help the program. And I would say the other thing too is part of the program we do is we uh, you got to make it fun, right? So make it exciting, kind of gamification. So one of one of the things we do is we have this uh, award we call Men in Black Award. Everybody knows Men in Black. Most people love that movie. And so what we have is every Friday, my team wears all black, at least pre-COVID. We would come to work in fr- on Friday, all black, uh, and we'd have black sunglasses. And at least uh, two or three people in the organization would get an MIB award. And I had marketing make up these little three by five glossy cards and it looked like a certificate said, congratulations, you caught an alien. Uh, and we had these little green aliens that I purchased on Amazon, little bendable plastic aliens. And what we would do is, when these employees would report to us these vulnerabilities or these risks in our environment, when they would let us know, rather than come hit them with a stick or beat them over the head because they did something wrong or they allowed this to happen, um, we actually rewarded them. We gave them an award. And now it's a little cheesy award, but I can tell you right now that you would think they're winning an Academy Award because when we would walk down the hall, three of us walk down with all black sunglasses and they go, oh my God, MIB, you know, the nurses are screaming. You think, you know, they won something uh, and you're giving them this little card with a little alien and a, and a pair of sunglasses. Um, it was exciting to them as a very inexpensive uh, way to reward folks for reporting those uh, those risks to you. And so you got to find ways to make it fun, make it exciting uh, and, and, and gamified. I always tell my staff, <clears throat> we have to educate our employees and they not they know they're being educated. I want auditors to come in and say, so how is your education program? And they go, we're going to ask your staff. And I've had them do that before. Go around and say, how's the security education? And the staff goes, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't really have anything like that. And then I say, really? What about MIB? Oh, yeah, let me show you my MIB. Oh, let me show you this. What about the cybersecurity fair? Oh, that was awesome. Listen to what I did. And they start, they didn't even know that they're being educated. And so that's the key is to educate with them, not even knowing, because it's so fun. It's something they enjoy doing. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I know what we've seen in the past with different organizations, you know, when, when we're going through the annual you know, compliance training and nothing against it. It's, it's a good program. It's something you have to have is kind of that baseline. But everyone is, is so almost resistant to going through it. And, and they just sort of tune it out. And there's no value at that point. So I love the fact that you mentioned the gamification and how do you just make it fun and, and light? It doesn't have to be this painful education that we go through. It, it can be fun. It can be, uh, you know, valuable in just the sense that it's, it's 
learning, right? I mean, you don't yeah, have to make it complex. Absolutely. I was telling somebody, uh, a CISO, a new CISO, a few years ago, I said, uh, the myth, there's a myth that people hate training and they hate security training. That's a myth. What they hate is they hate bad security training. And we got plenty of that because Absolutely. we're trying to target it. Just like you said, John, we're trying to target it to compliance, which we know compliance doesn't equal security. And so we 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 should get away from bad training. Uh, if you have fun training, everybody loves fun training. They may not admit it at first until it's over. Right. And then they go, that was so much fun. People hate bad training. And so we do the same thing. We still have the annual, you know, compliance regulatory thing that you got to answer little questions. I don't even mess with that. I only try to make that fun. I just let that go. That's got to happen. And then everything else I do, my cybersecurity fair in October, my fishing tournaments I have in the summer, all of the rest of stuff is the fun, fluffy stuff that everybody remembers. You mentioned budget or, you know, of the, the cost of a program it doesn't have to be expensive. What I mean, we, we know the cost of security is increasing every day. Funding, I would love to say, is, is always being increased, but I guess the needs of funding is being increased all the time. How do you balance? You know, this this program and the time that you're putting into it, again, you know, making sure your tools are effective and efficient. Is there a, like a, a, a math equation that you have to find that balance or is it, you know, you're just kind of going through and doing the best you can? Well, yeah, not really a math or a numbers thing. I'll just say that um, my cybersecurity awareness training program is one of the most robust things that we do here. And it's the cheapest thing we do. We spend less on it than anything else. And it's one of the most effective and the, and the most robust thing we do. Uh, and the, and how we do that is, uh, and, and, I, and when I was at University Medical Center in Lubbock, Texas, we had 108 counties around us, and all of those counties were very rural. When I say rural healthcare in West Texas, I'm talking about a hospital may have had eight or 10 beds, little bitty places out there. Um, and they looked to me uh, to help them, you know, develop programs. And I'd, te- I'd, t- I'd speak at their conferences and that sort of thing for the really small rural health systems. And I used to tell them all the time to start an education program doesn't cost you hardly anything, cost you a lunch. Like there's nerds and geeks in every single town out there. They're in the basements of every town. They go to your church. And a lot of those nerds and geeks will never get to speak at Black Hat or DEF CON. But you pay, give them a lunch and ask them to come speak on fishing. Pick, you know, pick a topic. Let them come do a 30 minute lunch and learn in your dining room. Give them free lunch. You know why they'll do it? It's a bullet point for their resume. It's something for their LinkedIn. Um, and yet you get, boom, you've had an education already. You've started it. You don't have to do a lot. Another thing we do uh, is involve our employees. And this can be any size organization. You don't have to have a big organization with a big IT security budget. We have what's called the Jedi Council. Again, part of this gamification of having fun. The Joint Employee Defense and Intelligence Council. I'll have you like that. Uh, can can awesome. you tell me I come from the government, you know, acronyms? But we have a Jedi <laughs> Council. And the Jedi Council is we picked out, tried to find all the nerds in the organization. We have a pharmacist who has a certified ethical hacker certification. So we went wow. around trying to find all of these nerds in our organization. And, and we were surprised at how many of these security people, people who were security minded that we could find, and we put them on a council and we meet once a month. And now we're doing it virtually, but we were meeting once a month physically. And they give us feedback from all the radiology, pharmacy, cardiology. They're giving us feedback and they're helping us develop develop our program. And then they take education back to their, their departments. And so you don't have to have your own staff. You can reach out and use them and they're loving it. They love being called Jedi. In fact, now we have people 
uh, applying to be a Jedi. I want to be a Jedi, you know, and uh, the Jedi Council is like, well, no, we've only got so many slots and now we can be picky. But it's an exciting thing that they, they get to do. They get to be a part of the program. They get to have input and then take that back to their department. That's great. It's almost it ends up being kind of a train the trainer as well, right? I mean, they're feeding into your security program, but then when they go back to the department, they can educate, you know, locally. And then really where sort of the action happens, kind of boots on the ground type of training at that point. Correct. That's right. Boots on the ground. Yep. All right. So with that, you know, one thing that I always find interesting because what we've always tried to try to do with our programs is what we have to communicate up how effective the program is, right? You have to have some type of way to measure, you know, we've done X amount of trainings and it's driven this type of result. Do you, do you kind of go through that probably with the Jedi council of, of taking that information or actually how do you build that information and then take it to others to show how successful your program is within the company? That's the hard part is the, the measurement, because first you got to have a baseline. Right. And so um, part and going back to the budget. So we'll tie these two together in from an executive level. How do you get budget for some things? Uh, obviously, is measuring and managing it. Right. So you show those measurements of what right. you need. And so uh, what we do is we educate the why going back to the why. Whenever I educate our senior leaders and I talk about why of security and I have these uh uh, examples, real world examples of China getting in our network. We have, you know, uh, why would uh, South Korea, uh, China, you know, all of these different nation states target healthcare? Uh, and then we talk about anonymous and the the attacks from anonymous and other hacktivist groups. We talk about just regular hackers. We talk about insider threat and 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 that sort of thing. When I explain all of the things about why they want in healthcare then I don't have to talk about what I want to do or how I'm going to do it. They go, excuse me, but what are we going to do about this? Or how are you going to fix this? And then I say, well, this is what right. we're going to need to do that. And they start ponying up the money. So that's part of your budget discussion is first, you got to tell them why, not what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. That's a lot of CISOs problems is they immediately try to go tell, you know, the, the, the board, this is what I need. I need this. I need that. I need this. Nope. I also try to pull the reins back. <clears throat> I don't try to come in with the whole plan and say, here's all the things I'm going to need. Here's all the staff I'm going to need. I don't do that. The first year, I do nothing but what you're talking about with metrics. I run phishing campaign, silent phishing campaign every month. I run a phishing campaign on my staff every month for a whole year. I don't try to educate. I don't try to do anything. Just do boom, 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 boom. The first year really is you getting to learn the organization anyways, starting getting your stuff put together and all that stuff. So the first year should just be running metrics. Pull your metrics, you know, vulnerability analysis, risk, all of these different things. Pull your metrics. Once you get the metrics, then you can say, this is what I've seen over time. Because one month doesn't tell a story. Two months doesn't tell a story. Really, a quarter doesn't always tell the story. So pulling those metrics for a year, it's hard because you're waiting uh, a year. Also, once your CIO or CFO um, start seeing this, they're going, when are you going to do something? And it feeds their appetite too. They're wanting you to do something. Not yet. Hold on, hold on, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Right. And then you produce the numbers and they start ponying up the money. Uh, and, and then not only is it the money, but also you can then, when you start implementing your security training program or your tools, your DLP or IPS or whatever they, you know, fund for you, you can then hopefully see a downward trend in the numbers. Um, but you can't really tell if you don't have a baseline. So you'd really need to spend about a year getting that baseline and it's difficult, but I promise you, you have a get out of jail free card your first year at any organization. So take that time to build your baseline. And then that way you can show a, a decrease in your, in your numbers. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I think, you know, I've always thought that 
the best way to, so I guess the best goal of a security program is we're here to change the culture, right? They're the security awareness program. We're here to change the culture. We're here to change the behavior. And you, you can't change the behavior unless you know what behaviors need to be changed. So you're right. Taking that time, that grace period that you have to, to really understand the culture of the organization um, and, and what, you know, the behaviors that are, that need to be focused on. I think that makes for a great uh, kind of baseline where, for the program. Where to target your, your audience, because you may have a group right. of folks, maybe HIM or whatever, who's, who's not as good as this other. There may be a, a group of people that are doing a really, really good and, and they're not having a problem. What I, ha- what I have found in some organizations I've worked in um, is that the IT department was the worst. Right. So you don't yeah. know. Don't assume that the executives, they're, they're good to go because they're really smart. They wouldn't fall for this stuff. Or don't assume IT smart. They know what they're doing. You can't do that because, uh, you know, I learned that I worked at NSA for a long time and everybody thinks, "Ooh, NSA, a bunch of cyber nerds or spies or whatever. No, we had housekeepers. We had movers. We had, you know, cable pullers. We had secretaries. Yeah. I mean, you, you have the, the gamut of, of folks that work in other organization. So you can't assume that all IT people know what they're doing in security. You need to figure out right. what that looks like. When it comes to healthcare, I've, I've seen it and it's, it's amazing to me that the, really everybody's sort of goal or culture, and, and you had your pockets, there's exceptions to the rule, of course, but everyone wants to help. They want to do the right thing. They're, you know, they're there for the patient. They're there for the organization. Um, and so I think you're right. Once you can help change that behavior, get everyone sort of focused on the right item from a security perspective, right? We're not the the most important, we'd like to think so, but we're one of the most important department of the company. But um, once you get that, everyone on that same page and focus and, and, you know, we're really driving things forward, you know, you have the, the great people behind you, kind of that army to drive it forward at that point because uh, they want to help. They want to do the right thing. They do. That's right. Um, do you think that helps healthcare stand out different from other, other industries that we really have a group of people that are just, they're, they're there to help it? It's really a very compassionate, empathetic group of people. You know, is that help with the security program? You know, if, and I, I'll be completely uh, transparent here. You know, working in the government, we didn't see ourselves as servants or you know, customer-focused kind of people, right? Yeah. Um, but and in healthcare, it's completely opposite, right? It's I got into Absolutely. this as a nurse or as a radiologist for people, uh, even though we say it's not about the money, but we got into it to help people. That's really what we're doing. I don't know. I couldn't answer to say, are we any different, say, than the banking or oil and gas, whatever. But I sure. think we would be. I, I do. I think that most people that I've met in healthcare in my eight years in healthcare so far uh, are very, very passionate about the people that they serve. Um, we are yeah. very, I mean, every meeting we talk about is about how will this impact the patient care, right? And so I do believe that, uh, and I know for for me, it's changed how I do cybersecurity because I really think about that patient. And I I was talking to a group of folks this morning doing a a class, and I told them, I said, you know, we do an incredible job of healing a a person. We heal that patient, we send them on their way, and they're very thankful for the care they received and the healing they received at our organization. Only to find out three weeks later that, we did not take care of their data, their information, and it was breached because of our lack of care and concern or understanding. And now they have an identity problem. And so they come back to our organization complaining and they are emotionally and, and financially distraught. So that term that we use in healthcare called do no harm 
extends to cybersecurity. And that's what I was explaining to this group of nurses this morning is that you can't just leave your computer up. You can't, you know, open. You can't just leave stuff laying around. It extends to that information. It's not just information. It is that patient. So we may heal them physically, but then we cause them harm emotionally, uh, psychologically, and maybe even financially. Kind of changing a little bit, you know, for for those that are just starting off with our security program, whether it's a new CISO or really just a new security program within within an organization, uh, where do you think we know that you know the best place to start is building that baseline, getting that those metrics, that information pulled together. But once once you have that, where's the the next best place to start? How do what's that first block um, to, to really start to build a security awareness program? To me, uh, the two that go hand in hand is is another module, and I know this isn't the topic for today, which is around risk management. Because once you get them to understand the why of security, uh, then you start bringing in and start showing them some of the risk that are that are there. Right. Start talking about risk. Anybody. It doesn't have to be the executive councils or or that sort of thing. Uh, It can be a normal person can understand risk. You start talking risk mitigation. Uh, because once they understand, if you do a really good job getting all your metrics uh, that first year, then you can start talking about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it or start talking about what you want to do and how you're going to do it. And a lot of that is around risk because you can say, oh, yeah, hackers want to get into healthcare. We know that. Nation states want to breach healthcare. We know that. Uh, Phil's talked about that for the past year. He's got his examples of other hospitals that's been that way. But we're different, right? So again, it goes back to that different. Until they can see that you've got, oh, Target had this problem. Look, we have the same vulnerability. Oh, you know, DCH Hospital in Alabama had this issue. Oh, look, we have the same thing. Compare yourselves to those things that are out there and show them that same thing. Then they start going, whoa, hold on. The cost they paid for that breach could be us and we have the exact same scenario. So then you start showing them scenarios right. and you start building that way. And, and you mentioned it with the, the awareness program, right? You want to make it personal. Um, the same thing I think is, is critical when it comes to risk management and how you communicate, you know, the impacts. You want to make that personal. You never really want to go with general terms or, right, this is extremely high or really bad, so we need to do something now. You know, if, you, if you're going to the, the chief financial officer, you should be talking in numbers, right? If you're going to... You know, the chief nursing officer or um, medical officer, you want to be talking in terms of patient safety, patient impact. Um, so, yeah, I think absolutely it's all about that communication uh, it and making it personal. Yeah. And knowing that audience, like you're saying, knowing your audience of who you're talking to, using examples that they will understand. So if you're talking to a group of cardiologists and you're using a breach example, you need to know how it affected the cardiologist at that organization that was breached. How does that affect them? What can they what's going to affect me? What can I not do in my job if this happens? You know, and they'll understand that. Exactly. Well, Phil, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today about the information security awareness programs that you've built and how you run your shop today. Uh, for our listeners, don't forget to check our show notes for any links to resources and contact information regarding the show. Um, and always stay tuned to the Change Healthcare Consulting Security Podcast for more shows covering the information security and risk management topics that you find important. You know, if you're looking for any more information regarding information security awareness programs, security assessments, uh, the virtual chief information security offering, or other services from Change Healthcare, please check out our website at changehealthcare.com. And once again, my name is John Zuziak, and I hope you've enjoyed this program and have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare Podcast. For more information on this and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. 
Don't forget to check the show notes for useful links to related resources and our contact information. Thanks for listening and have a great day.